10, he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. All right, well, let's pray, and then we'll go on this evening. Lord, we do thank you for our day. We thank you for the uh, the wonderful day that it was with the baptism and uh, just the opportunity to talk with others about baptism and to schedule more baptisms in the near future, and we thank you for that. We thank you for uh, Jim and his, uh, his humble uh, heart attitude towards you and your word and, and uh, uh, the need to... Uh, to, to do what's right. We thank you for his attitude. We thank you for what he said uh, today and uh, even this desire to, to not waste time. So we thank you for that. We thank you uh, for others that have been in, involved in church recently or getting more involved, and we ask that you would encourage them. We know that some travel a long distance. We know that some are ill and not feeling well and cannot be with us, but we ask that you would just be with them and help us to be encouraged and strengthened tonight as we study and look at the different apostles and what they mean individually but also what they mean collectively we thank you for our blessings thank you for your word in jesus name amen so again luke 6 verse 13 and when it was day he called unto him his disciples and of them he chose 12 whom also he named apostles what is an apostle the word apostle comes from the greek word apostolos and that word means sent one or one sent Somebody said a penny could help you remember apostle because it's one cent. Well, anyway, but anyhow, the idea is a cent one. So in the general sense, there were others who were called apostles besides just the 12. For instance, in Hebrews chapter number 3 in verse 1, Hebrews 3, 1, it shows us here that Jesus himself is called an apostle. Hebrews chapter 3, and of course, that makes sense. He was certainly sent, right? And he's a capital A apostle. Wherefore, holy brethren, betakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, Hebrews 3.1. Then also in Acts 14, you see that Barnabas was referred to as an apostle, although he was not one of the twelve, never was considered one of the twelve, but he certainly was one of the sent ones. And I have... Uh, I'm assuming Barnabas knew of Christ early or maybe even knew him personally. I don't know. But when the apostles Barnabas and Saul and Paul, it says there, and Paul was another one. We'll mention him in a minute. Then James, the Lord's brother, not the James in the list of the 12, but a different James, the Lord's brother. He wrote the book of James. He was the half-brother of Jesus. And Galatians chapter 1, verse 19, Galatians 1 and 19 we see he's also referred to as an apostle it says but other of the apostles saw i none save james the lord's brother and so in the general sense there were others in the bible that were referred to as apostles uh, although it can be a little confusing because they were not of the apostolic office they didn't they didn't hold that office of apostle that we they see in the list of the 12 if you want to say it that way so what made them different or what made the apostolic apostle or office what makes you an apostle or what would have made you an apostle 
it would have had to be someone who actually seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, look with me in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. By the way, uh, any of you ever see Jesus face to face? Anybody in here? Good. All right. I was hoping no one would raise their hand. Um, so let me just go ahead and say there are no apostles alive today. All right. Because in order to be an apostle, you would have had to have seen visually Christ face to face. You would have seen him with your own eyes. And so 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5, and that he was seen of Cephas, that's another name for Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. This is talking about the resurrected Christ. And after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. And so uh, one qualification that we see from Scripture that would make one uh, 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 able to be called an apostle was that they had seen the resurrected Savior and that they were personally chosen, audibly called by him. And of course, we read that Jesus had called those 12. And uh, in Matthew chapter 10, we read that just a little bit ago. And then also endued with divine credentials or miracles or signs. Mark chapter 16, where we were this morning, Mark chapter 16, we see that the apostles were given special ability, special miracles and signs that they could perform and so acts chapter 16 verse 17 it says and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues they shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and so after the lord had spoken to them he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of god and they went forth and preached everywhere the lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following so the early church and the apostles of that day were given special sign miracles i think to help emphasize and and evidence that god was with them acts chapter 2 and verse 43 it says and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles acts chapter 5 and verse number 12 it says, and that by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And, uh, and then Hebrews chapter 2 and th- 3 and 4, I will not turn to that one. But anyhow, you get the, the idea here that the apostles were someone who had seen the risen Savior personally, who had been called by him, and who had been given special signs as a credential of, of their calling. And so the clear implication, implication of these qualifications is that, as I've already said, there cannot be and there are no apostles alive today. But there are religions out there who teach that they have apostles in their church. But there are no 21st century apostles living today, all right? Uh, Anytime since the first age, the first century. Today, the only apostles would be false apostles. And I can show you two places where the Bible warns us that. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and uh, verse number 13 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13 for such are false apostles deceitful workers transferring themselves into the apostles of Christ watch out and beware that there is a lot of false out there and then the next place would be Revelation 2 brother Bill was reading this the other night when he was talking about the church at Ephesus 
And it says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. So he gives them some praise and says, you, you recognize that there are false apostles and they are not truly apostles. So there were even then and there will be even now those who claim to be apostles and they're false. Now, there was the apostle that was born out of due time. I've already mentioned him before, and that is the Apostle Paul. I don't believe that he was one of the 12. Some people try to say that he should have been the replacement for Judas. I I don't agree with that, and I'll explain that in a minute. But he also is called an apostle, and nothing wrong with that. He certainly was sent from God. And we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and then again to chapter 15. And 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1, it says, he says, am, not I, am, not an, I, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? And then, of course, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 8, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. He was one of the last apostles, you could say, uh, because he got saved much later than the others. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus, uh, he probably knew of him before uh, he was saved. Uh, we know that, that he would, have, he would have been alive when Jesus was crucified, and we don't know all the details behind that, but he saw the risen Savior, and he was called, obviously, if you read Acts chapter 9 and you read other places, the Bible tells us that he was certainly called, and Rev- Romans chapter 1 and chapter 1 verse 1 and verse 5 indicates that he was called to be an apostle and then he evidenced apostolic signs you just read acts the book of acts starting in chapter 13 14 chapter 16 chapter 19 chapter 28 there were there were miracles happening through the apostle paul so he had those those credentials of being an apostle but he was not one of the 12 but that office that special office that we talk about we go back there to matthew chapter 10 if you want to and we see from verse 2 to 4 we see this list and uh, sometimes the names are a little bit interchanged uh but this this list and i don't have something to give you to hand out but if you write it down or uh, record this later uh, just matthew chapter 10 you can see these names here first of all in verse 2 simon who is also called peter and cephas all right so simon peter the son of Jonah, or Bar-Jonah. Simon was listed here as, as an apostle. He was called to be not just one of the disciples. He already was a disciple, but he is called to be an apostle. And then also his brother Andrew, also the son of Bar-Jonah. Simon and Andrew. And then it says also in verse 2, uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, also the son of Zebedee, James and John. And then also Philip, verse 3, Philip. And, uh, and then Bartholomew. And the nether name for Bartholomew would be Nathaniel. And we'll see a story about Philip and Nathaniel in a little bit. So here it's Philip and Bartholomew, but Philip and Nathaniel. Then there's Thomas in verse 3. And Matthew. And here it's called Matthew the Publican. Why is that? Because he was a what? He was a tax collector, also known as Levi, his other name, Levi. 
all right? And, uh, and then James, the son of Alphaeus, all right? And that's also in verse 3, and uh, known as James the Less. I don't, don't know if I'd like that or not, but yeah, here's James and here's James the Less. I don't know. I don't know if that means anything, but... Uh, and then Libius or Thaddeus, his surname was Thaddeus, also known as Judas, not Iscariot. <laughs> How'd you like to... I'm Judas, not Iscariot, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'd hate to have... So no wonder he wanted to go by Thaddeus or Libius. He'd rather that be that than the other Judas, right? Um, and then verse 4, Simon the Canaanite, also known as Zelotus, Simon the Zelotus, Simon Zelotus, and then Judas... Iscariot. These are those different names listed here. Um, now, as far as their purpose, what is their purpose? And we'll talk about um, that in a minute. I want to, first of all, uh, mention to you this, this replacement for Judas Iscariot. And we go to Acts chapter number 1 to see that. Acts chapter number 1. When Jesus died and rose again, he met with them in Acts chapter 1. Well, when Jesus died, shortly after Judas Iscariot killed himself. So then there were only 11. And in Acts chapter number 1, Acts chapter 1 and verse 15, Jesus then had met with the 11 and with many more than just the 11. It says we already read over 500 at once, the early church, the disciples as a whole, and the, and the apostles specifically, the 11. It says in Acts chapter 1 verse 15, in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of the names together were about 120. So there's over 120 people that were gathered together at this time. That would have been maybe the size of the church at the time. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field. With the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. Pretty gruesome. It, came, it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, al Alkidamada, excuse me, al I can't say it tonight, Al-Sadama, thank you, I'll go with that. I don't know if it's right, but it sounds better than what I just said. That is to say, the field of blood, for it is written in the book of Psalms. This is what he meant when he said David prophesied of this. David was inspired by God to prophesy this very thing. Let his habitation be desolate. By the way, this is Psalm 69. Let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein and his bishopric or bishop office. Let another take. Wherefore, Peter says, of these men which have companied with us, this 120 people, of these which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Some have 
argued that Peter jumped the gun here, that he should have waited for uh, a later date because obviously the Apostle Paul would have been a great fit. I don't, I don't agree. Uh, I don't see that in the Bible. The Bible doesn't indicate that Peter did anything wrong. The Bible doesn't indicate that God stopped Peter from doing what they did or, or anything like that. I think they had a church business meeting and Peter being somewhat, I guess, the leader and pastor of that early church, he um, stood up and said, we need to find a replacement. And so he is the 12. And so I think that Matthias's name will be one of the 12 in the foundation in the city of Zion. And um, I, I think that, that, that that is the will of God. Why? Well, because he met the qualifications to be an apostle. Uh, it says in verse 21, with, with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until that time, same day that he was taken up from us. So Matthias had been there the whole time. Um, it was a church decision, and they prayed about it. The Lord promised in Matthew 18 that whatever was prayed about and ratified on earth would be ratified in heaven. There is no repudiation of Matthias by God in any indication at all. And Paul never claimed that he should have been the 12th apostle instead of Matthias. As a matter of fact, notice what Paul said closely as I read it already, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's go back and see it and notice it. Paul recognized Matthias, okay? In 1 Corinthians 15, it's the, the subject is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, verse 3, For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, Peter, then of the twelve. So this is after the resurrection, he was seen of Peter. We know that, remember? John 21, he's there on the shore. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He was seen of Peter, then of the twelve. He was seen of how many? of the 12. So Paul's talking about 12 other people besides him. That would have had to include Matthias because Judas was dead by them. Judas was dead by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? So Paul recognized Matthias as being one of the 12 in the number of them. So back to these men, these these 12 apostles and the office, the position that we and the list that we read minus Judas. Um let, let me just give you uh, the life story, if, uh, if you will, of, of, of what an apostle would have been like, how, how it would have happened, and how they would have come to become an apostle. I don't believe Judas was saved. And, of course, I believe Jesus knew that. I believe that Judas was an imposter from the get-go. I think he had uh, maybe um, outward... Uh, sentimental reasons or in, in was, was thought maybe Jesus would help to, to uh, uh, overthrow uh, Rome. I don't know. But Judas, whatever his motives were, he would, I don't believe he's in heaven tonight. I don't believe that. I don't believe he lost his salvation. I just don't believe he ever truly was saved because I don't think you can lose your salvation. But I think that Jesus needed someone to be the traitor. And so he picked Judas of all those followers. He picked Judas knowing that he was a devil, as the Bible says, son of perdition. But let's just let's just give you a, 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 a taking all that we know from the Gospels and from the Bible. Let's just give you kind of an overview of what it would have been like to be one of these eleven minus Judah, you know, twelve minus Judas. 
Your salvation would have happened somewhere before Christ, of course, started his ministry. There would have been this man who was a little different. He wore camel hair and uh, preached, and uh, he was known as John the Baptist. And uh, you would have gotten saved under John the Baptist's ministry. That's important because that was prophecy. Did you notice what Peter said in Acts chapter 1 in verse 22? One of the criteria of picking out a replacement for Judas was beginning from the baptism of John. In other words, one of John's disciples. Now, question, would John have baptized someone if they, if they weren't saved first? No, except for maybe Judas if he was fooled by Judas. But John was baptizing saved people just like we do today. So that was something that we pick up on. Then with our, with our finger, uh, I guess we can go back to Acts 1 later, but John chapter 1, John chapter 1. We see some other things concerning uh, the disciples who became apostles and how this all began. They started out as followers of John the Baptist. John chapter number 1 and verse 35. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and by the way, verse 29, John saw Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. His disciples would have heard him say that. The men who were listening to him and and learning from him would have have heard him say that. Now, why is that significant? Because John the Baptist... If you go to Luke chapter 1, you'll see this. But John the Baptist was the son of Levites. His father was a Levite priest. John was a Levite priest. It's not coincidental that John, a Levite, says, there's the lamb right there. See, Levite priests could declare the lamb to be kosher. And so John is, is fulfilling prophecy. He was sent to prepare the way of the Lord, the Bible says. Malachi chapter 3, Isaiah chapter 40 says that John was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. Not only was he sent to prepare the way of the Lord, but he was sent to prepare a people for him. And that's what we're looking at here. You say, where do you get that at? Well, keep your finger in John 1. We'll go back in John 1, but I'm going to go to Luke 1 real quick. Luke chapter 1. This is the story of John the Baptist and his parents. Luke chapter 1 is all about John's parents and his birth. And Luke chapter 1, an angel appears to John's father, Zacharias, while he's serving in the temple. And the angel tells Zacharias, you and your wife are going to have a child. And of course, Zacharias can't believe it. He's stunned. Elizabeth's an old lady, and she's not any, in any you know, way, physically speaking, supposed to be having children at this time. But God is doing something special, and he's preparing her and uh so he the angel tells john uh, john's father this zechariah and it says in verse 17 this is what the angel says to zechariah and he john shall go before him in the spirit and power of elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the lord then later, when Zacharias, after he'd been struck dumb for so long and finally was, was freed and was allowed to speak again, he starts prophesying. And here's what he says at the end of the chapter, Luke one seventy six. And thou, child, talking about his own little baby boy, John, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare 
his ways to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel and so Zechariah recognized that John was that one who was sent to prepare the way of the Lord and according to Luke one seventeen, to prepare a people for Jesus this is important because that's what was going on in John chapter 1. John was converting. He was seeing people get saved. Peter, Andrew, I believe James and John. I believe obviously Philip and Nathaniel. They were getting saved. They were, they were believing on the Lamb of God. And they were being baptized by John the Baptist. It says in John one thirty five. again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. And so we see here that John the Baptist had disciples. We know that James or Peter and Andrew were two of his disciples. We know also that James and John and then Philip as well were part of those disciples of, of John the Baptist. I just believe that all 12 had been saved and then baptized by John the Baptist before Jesus. Why? Because according to Luke one seventeen, John's purpose was to prepare a people for the Lord. And Jesus, when he came on the earth, he didn't just randomly go around. No, he purposely went to John the Baptist, who was his cousin, and uh, he went to him to the River Jordan to be baptized of John. And the ministry of John the Baptist is a pre- pre- preparation for the Lord's ministry. Jesus was baptized by a Baptist. You've heard me tell that story before, how there was a Lutheran pastor here in town who, who was one day kind of giving me a hard time. Hey, Matt, make sure you baptize some babies this week. And I just said, no, I don't think so. And he said, well, you know, Jesus was a Lutheran. And I just said, actually, he was baptized by a Baptist, which is true. Now, I don't think that we should make too much of the Baptist label as if that makes us better just because we have a label. However, it is biblical to use that word Baptist. And, I, and, and it, I'm going to show you tonight that it actually comes from heaven. So, let's keep going here. Verse 41, And he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is interpreted being the, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which by interpretation is a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, 
when thou wast yet under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael, or Bartholomew, answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. By the way, that's a reference to Genesis when Jacob had that dream of a ladder and angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And Jesus was saying, I'm the ladder, I'm the bridge between heaven and earth. That's what Jesus was telling him there. So we see the discipleship that that started with John the Baptist. And what happened is, as John said, he must increase and I must decrease. John was the man until Jesus came on the scene. John was the most interesting figure and he was the preacher. But when Jesus came on the scene and was baptized of John, then it was as if John was saying, he must increase and I must decrease. He, he's the one you need to follow. And, and Andrew and Peter and Philip and the others left John and started following Jesus because that was the plan all from all the time. So this would have been before the ministry of Christ just as it was getting started, somewhere around 27 AD. So then we see in Matthew chapter 4 how this calling came about. Matthew chapter 4, we see two different places. And Luke chapter 5, Matthew 4 and Luke 5. It wasn't just fishermen like Peter and Andrew and James and John. There were others who were disciples, believers of, of John the Baptist, believers on the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. There, here's where we have full-time service. See, every disciple is a believer, but not necessarily every believer is going to be a disciple. But these fishermen had proven that they were disciples. They were students of John the Baptist, but they had a job. They were fishermen. But when Jesus came on the scene, he said, drop your job and follow me. If you read the article, I didn't, I didn't know they were going to do such a big article, but there was an article in the newspaper this week that Jason Ferguson wrote. And I talked about my father's calling and how that he was in business and God called him into ministry. And he dropped his net, so to speak, and followed the Lord's leading in his life. And so they left their profession and followed Christ instead all the rest of their lives. And every servant of the Lord is a disciple, though not every disciple is in full-time service. And not everyone is supposed to be in full-time ministry. But when God calls you, you have to drop your net and follow him. And that's what they did. Another place, ironically, we're in the book of Matthew, but now we're going to go to Luke chapter 5 and read about Matthew. Luke chapter 5. Now, what was Matthew? Was he a fisherman? No. Luke chapter 5 and verse 27. After these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi, or Matthew, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. 
And he left all and rose up and followed him. Right then and there. Matthew left his job, walked away from the business, and followed Christ. Now, I don't think I can prove dogmatically that Matthew was a disciple of John the Baptist, except that I showed you Acts chapter 1 where it says, beginning from the baptism of John until now. And some other passages I'm going to show you next. I believe that Matthew was saved. I don't think that Jesus would have called an unsaved man. I think Matthew was saved, and I think Matthew not only was saved, but he had been discipled by John the Baptist and had been baptized by him. I think all 12 of them had, minus Judas. And so we see their calling to the apostleship, and so then we read it already tonight in Luke chapter 6, verse 13 right across the page there. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. That would have been everybody. And of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles. Simon, whom he also called Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, or Nathaniel, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which was also the traitor. And I I believe that from this point on, they were the 12 apostles. I I just want to reemphasize that, and we don't, don't, I'm not going to go there tonight, but if you have a question about me picking on Judas, it's, it's not because I hate him. It's just because the Bible indicates that he was not a saved man. But Jesus called him with the others because to fulfill prophecy, he would need someone to betray him. And that was obviously what happened. So, going back now to what is the purpose of all this? What was the purpose? Well, of course, he, he immediately sent them out to preach and to preach the kingdom of God and to preach the gospel and to spread the good news. But he was building his church on the people that John the Baptist had prepared. In other words, Jesus took, took baptized people and formed his church. That's what he did. He took baptized people from a man sent from God whose name was John. And I want to show you some things tonight and why this, is, this really is important to us. First of all, there's two main purposes for the apostles. There's two main purposes. Number one, it gave, they gave us the New Testament. The New Testament was given to us through the apostles, including the apostle Paul. In John chapter number 16, John chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall not receive of mine. He shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. The Bible tells us in Second Peter one twenty one that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The apostles were guided or moved by the Holy Spirit of God, and they were used to write down the scriptures. How did this happen? Well, there's a little bit of a hint in Ephesians chapter 3. We see a little bit of it alluded to and mentioned in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words. We see that by revelation God revealed to his apostles, this one being Paul, revelation revealed to him things. And the Bible told us way back in Deuteronomy 29 that that would take place, that God through his Holy Spirit would reveal his word 
to man. And Deuteronomy 29, verse 29 says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And so when God reveals something to man, it got wrote down, it got written down. And so Paul wrote some things down that became inspired scripture. It says in verse 4, Whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And so that it was written, something was written down and that, that writing was scripture. The Bible says in Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. I believe that once scripture is scripture, it's just inspired, it carries that inspiration. It's, it's alive, it's God breathed but it's originally inspired was in the in the original writing of it so the revelation the recording and then the retaining notice in verse 4 whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge so he he said you're going to read something that god has preserved that i wrote you're going to read words that god gave me to write down the bible tells us in psalm 12 the words of the lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth purified seven times thou shalt keep them o lord thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever jesus said in matthew 24:35 heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away so also we see then the product of all this is that the Holy Ghost used the apostles, not necessarily all of them. I don't think Simon Zelotes had any writings. But God used some of the apostles to write the New Testament that we have today. That's the product we see. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. So there's two main things. Number one, the scripture, the New Testament was given to us by way of the apostles. In Second Peter chapter 3, and verse 1 it says this second epistle beloved I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior the prophets would have been the Old Testament writers the apostles would have been the New Testament now it's hard for us to remember this but 2,000 years ago the Bible was the Old Testament And what they were saying is God has used his apostles to add to the Old Testament a New Testament, which now makes the complete Bible. And so it was was new for them to understand that the apostles were being used just like the prophets in the Old Testament. Now the apostles were being used to give the New Testament his words, his commandments, as it says there in verse 2. Look also in verse 15. Peter says this about Paul. He says, An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, as speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Peter says, Paul was inspired to write some things that are just kind of hard to be understood. Kind of hard to swallow. Paul wrote some things that really made the Jews upset. Paul wrote some things that really kind of turned everything up upside down, so to speak, for what they thought was the way it was. Jude, not too far from here, Jude 17 says, 
But, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the New Testament is the word of God given to us by the apostles. And also, Romans chapter 16. One other place. Romans 16 and verse 25 and 26. Romans sixteen twenty-five. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel... And the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. In other words, the New Testament was a secret to the Old Testament. It was there, it was a mystery, but it wasn't clear. But verse 26, but now is made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. So one main purpose that the apostles were chosen for and why there is apostles to begin with was to give us the New Testament and the second reason was to give us the New Testament church Ephesians chapter number 2 Ephesians chapter 2 and I'll be done after this Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 19 now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. There's neither Jew nor Greek. He's broken down the middle wall of partition between us. We are the same commonwealth. We are the same family. Ephesians 3 verse 15 says, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And so Ephesians 2.19, you are no more strangers and foreigners, even if you were Gentiles, but you are the same household of God. And verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles. And prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The apostles and prophets would have been the scriptures. Apostles, New Testament. Prophets, Old Testament. Jesus, the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. In whom also, in whom ye also are builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. See, the New Testament church is not this building. It's the people who make up the church. We are his living stones built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, and the apostles and prophets. So God was using the apostles to establish his church. Remember what we read in Revelation? Twelve gates referred to the twelve tribes, the Old Testament, and then twelve foundation a wall with 12 stones 12 apostles the foundation is not just on old testament but is on the new testament the foundation of that heavenly jerusalem that zion includes both the old testament 12 tribes but it also includes the new testament 12 apostles all together so he wanted to establish his scriptures and he used the apostles to establish his local church. 1 Corinthians, you don't need to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says, he gave some first apostles in the church. Now, let me, this is the main point tonight. Here it is. Each true New Testament church is built upon the apostles and the baptism that they baptize with. Ephesians, again, chapter 4 and verse 5. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, 
one faith, and one baptism. Based on what we know, based on what I've said already, I believe that the apostles were baptized by John the Baptist. I believe that Jesus chose those apostles to then build his church. We see that John was special. If you will, please turn with me to John chapter 1 again. This is really key. I think this is the real reason for the apostles to give us the scriptures and to establish his church his way. John chapter 1 and verse number 6 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay, so John's name was John. We get that. And who was he sent from? It's very unusual. Now, John the Baptist was a sinner. He was not perfect like Jesus. But Jesus did say of of men, there was no one greater than John the Baptist. John was unusual. He was was sent from God, so to speak. He he was born to old people in a miraculous way. Not virgin born, but it was a miraculous way. John chapter 3, verse 27. John talking about himself answered and said a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven John had been given special calling special revelation special purpose to prepare people Luke chapter 117 to prepare people for the Lord he prepared those men so that Jesus would come along and call them and use them to build his New Testament church I want you to also look in Matthew chapter 3 and then Matthew 21 Matthew chapter 3. Here's another another rendition of the same story of Jesus coming to the Jordan River to be baptized. In Matthew 3, it says in verse 13, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. He must be baptized of him. You remember what John said. Oh, I, I can't baptize you. I'm not worthy of unloosing your shoes Jesus said, no, you need to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus came to be baptized of John in verse 14 with John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it be to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. By the way, he didn't pour water on him or sprinkle him. And lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So we see here that John was sent to prepare the way of the Lord and to baptize Jesus himself and all the men that Jesus chose to build his church. This is why I have no problem saying that the right kind of church is the Baptist church. Not because I'm stuck on the label Baptist, but because of the Bible. Jesus was a Baptist. Jesus went to a Baptist, got baptized by a Baptist. Jesus chose all his disciples who also were followers of the Baptist and started his church with Baptist materials. Now, in Matthew 21, the Pharisees came to Jesus. I like this story. I would, I just, I don't know, I just, maybe you don't get anything out of it, but I, I just think this is a fun thing because, well, I'll just read it to you. Matthew 21, verse 23. And when he was coming to the temple, this is shortly before he was going to be crucified. 
just a few days earlier. When he come, was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching. And they said, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gavest thee this authority? Now, I don't really know if that's how they said it, but that's how I read it. Who gave you the right to do this? By what authority do you have? Who told you you could do this? And you know what's, what I love about this? Jesus answered their question without answering their question. He really told them what, who's, he really told, he really did answer the question. But they were too blind to see that he answered the question. Because here's what he said. They said that, by what authority? And he calmly says, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. Okay. You want to know by what authority I have to do what I do. Let me ask you a question. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? Did John just make it up on his own or was it from heaven? Now, you know what Jesus really did right there? He answered their question. He said, I was baptized by John. And John's baptism is from heaven. A man sent from God to baptize. Notice this. And they reasoned with themselves saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did you not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people for they all hold John as a prophet. Well, he can't answer because if we tell the truth, he's going to ask us, why didn't you believe? And if we try to tell the false, all the people will be mad at us. So they said, we cannot tell. And he smiled. I don't know if he really smiled, but I'm just imagining this. And said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. But he really did tell them. He really did. He told them by telling them, asking them the question. See, John the Baptist was the authority of heaven that baptized the disciples and prepared the people for Jesus and then baptized Jesus himself and then said, behold, the Lamb of God and said, he must increase and I must decrease. You need to follow him. That's why Peter stood up in Acts chapter 1 and verse 22 and said, to replace Judas, we need to make sure it's someone beginning from the baptism of John. That was important. Also notice in Acts chapter 10, something that is said concerning this. Acts chapter 10. When Peter was confronted with Cornelius and these Gentiles who had gotten saved and wanted to understand salvation and be, be born again and be baptized. Peter, in verse 34 of Acts 10, says, open his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation he hath... He, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Peter said, I'm realizing through the dream I had earlier in the chapter that God wants to save Gentiles, not just Jews. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Notice where Peter said it started. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Notice what Peter said. Began in Galilee with John the Baptist. 
who anointed, who who was a part of the baptism of John when Jesus, excuse me, the baptism of Jesus when Jesus then was anointed, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. So what am I trying to say here? The baptism of John, or the baptism of the apostles, started in heaven, came to earth through John the Baptist. It was then administered to Christ and the disciples by John the Baptist who baptized them. And then they started baptizing everyone else. And that's why John said, he must increase and I must decrease. After a while, it's going to be Jesus and his, and pretty soon they're going to say, Jesus and his disciples baptized more than John. That's okay. That's the way it's supposed to be. John was supposed to be the starter. But once his ministry was done, then Jesus and his church began to get going. So I go back to John, and I've just got two more places. John chapter 3 and John 4, and then Matthew 28. John 3, verse 22. And after these things came Jesus and his disciples in the land of Judea. And there he tarried with them and baptized. In chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. And so eventually John the Baptist's ministry was slowing down because his real job was to prepare people to listen to Jesus so that Jesus could build his church. John didn't build the church. John just prepared the people so that Jesus could take them and establish his church. I will build my church, Jesus said. So it was instituted from heaven through John. It was administered through John to Christ and to the disciples. And then the baptism was authorized to the Lord's churches when Jesus, at the end of Matthew 28, said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. See, we try to follow the order here. We, 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 we try to pay attention and, and, and understand that we're not just doing something because it's traditional, but because that's just the way it's been done. We baptize the way we baptize because it's been done that way all this time. We've made it real nice and convenient, haven't we? And that's okay. I don't think it's sinful to have a tank inside of a building. I kind of miss the old days when we had to go find some place to baptize. I'm okay if someone wants to get baptized in a river or a pond. What I liked about the old days when we went across town and used a motel pool. Remember those days? We'd go to the Bavarian. If some of you were, were here back in those days, we'd go to the Bavarian. and something, you know, Right after church on Sunday, we all, all right, let's all get in the cars. And of course, it, it wasn't this building. It was the old building. And we didn't have a baptistry, so we all we get in our cars and we just caravan all the way through town. We end up at the Bavarian. And sometimes we get into the Bavarian. You walk into the pool of the Bavarian, and and there might have been a few people swimming, and all these people with you know kind of church clothes on walk in, and pretty soon the three or four people in the pool just kind of climb out and slide to the side like, what's going on? Sometimes we did it at the Super Eight, same thing. Maybe a few times we did it at someone's house if they had a big pool or tub or something like the hot tub. But what I liked about that, it was even more public. And and we never had a, you know, nobody ever gave us a hard time. They just like, oh. And 
We kind of miss that when we have it in our building with our tank, don't we? But what it was about was people saying, whoa, what is this? I was talking to someone that's going to get baptized here in a couple weeks. He was here this morning. His name is Jay. He's a friend of Jeff. And we agreed, you know, the, the, the main thing now is gather as many friends as you can. Let your family and friends know. And even if they don't come, at least they'll know. Like my grandma, at least they'll know this is what it's for. Because in the old days, villages were built around a body of water, river, pond, something. And it just was something you saw. You, you couldn't really do it. They didn't have tanks in the old days. They just had to find a body of water somewhere. And that was the way it was. And I think God knew that that would be a very public event for people to see. And people would ask questions. What's that all about? What's going on? And so we see here the importance of the apostles was to give us the New Testament and through them Jesus established his church after they had been prepared by John the Baptist. So one other place. I keep saying that, don't I? I apologize. This really is the one other place. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Brother Bill was teaching in Ephesians this week about the church. And Ephesians chapter 4, it goes on to talk about the church. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And then it goes on and it says in verse 11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, complete, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be henceforth be no more children tossed in to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by sleight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But rather we are a church who isn't fooled because we're in a local church assembly who has the doctrine straight and so, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. This is what God does. He takes individuals and builds a body and makes them his local assembly, his building, his temple. But back in verse 11, it says, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Question. It's kind of a trick question, but let me ask it. Do we still have the apostles and prophets? I said earlier tonight, no. But we do. Right here. You walked in with them tonight. We have the apostles in the New Testament, the prophets in the Old Testament. We have the apostles and prophets. We don't have them walking around as human beings anymore. We have it even better. We have it all on paper where we can easily access it. And evangelists, we just had one here this week. Pastors and teachers. That's what God's given the church. It's a great blessing. And those two offices that no longer exist, apostles and prophets, are 
still helping us through the writings of the apostles and prophets and the two offices that still exist evangelists pastors teachers are those that are human beings that we still recognize and we we ordained a young man just past this past week joshua as an evangelist we might ordain some more in the future but that's how they continue on a pastor's evangelist are ordained to go forward with the apostles and prophets in their hand and in their heart and in their head. And so I conclude tonight that that is why the apostles were important. And Jesus picked those 12, and of course one was the devil. He used him, he allowed him to be used the way he was. But the other 11 were used, and they might not all got equal fame and notice and notoriety, but we're going to study them one by one. We're going to study Philip and James and John and Bartholomew or Nathaniel, Peter, and all the different ones, Matthew. We're going to go through and just look at them. And some of it might just be tradition because we don't have all the details, but we're going to uh, take what we know and learn from each one, one by one. But tonight we just wanted to overview why they were important and why they exist. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to study this topic of apostles and to learn. It was kind of a lot, and maybe I was a little jumbled in how I presented it, but we thank you, God, for the baptism of John that was sent from heaven. We thank you for the authority that we have, not just our own human authority, but authority that came from heaven and was passed on through the apostles and down to us we can't necessarily prove all that direct lineage but we just know it's there because of the scriptures and we're still believing the same book and we're baptizing the same way and Lord we see people saved and baptized here just as they did 2000 years ago and we thank you for that help us to be aware of the doctrine and the importance of it that we're not as people without a church a local church tossed about but rather a body of believers fitly compacted. I pray for these new ones that have been saved and baptized recently, that they would join us and become fit into the body and part of the local assembly. Help us to teach and to train them and to encourage them in that way. And help us understand more as we study this. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.